tech or non-tech? That is the question. What's more important, EPS or subscriber growth? Hmm. Subscriber growth for Netflix. Not all great earnings. AT&T in the gutter, no shocker there. CC Legator, 835. He's going to talk about some option setups in Netflix, the overall market. Who wants puts nowadays? Let's see if Triple D has any tidbits here, like the TLT and the IWM yesterday. It's hump day. It's Wednesday. It's pre-market prep. Let's get it started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Okay, traders, investors, you know where we're, what we're doing. We're up 24 handles, 49.19, trading at the highs of the pre-market session. The buck helping out, down 44 cents at 102.96. Bonds rebounding from yesterday, up a little over half a point, 102 and 12.30 seconds. Crude up 28 cents, 74.65. When are the oil stocks going to pay attention to that? Gold up 960 at 2035.40. Silver trying to get in a 23 handle, up 47 cents at 22.93.5. Bitcoin futures trying to put a bottom in here and uh, nicely off yesterday's low, up $800 at 40,035. Let's bring in Triple D and Triple D. I mean, I guess uh, the song remains the same. Yeah. It does. The song remains the same. AI or bust. I mean, these are the stocks that are moving here once again. And what we see is that when you get any technology stocks that has a significant dip, they seem to find buyers. If it's non-tech, the dips aren't getting bought. And that's what's clear. You know, we saw it, you know, multiple times. ADM, last couple of days, no dips oh. to be bought. Nobody cares. This is not an AI play. Nobody wants to buy that dip. We saw it with 3M yesterday, starts dipping, nobody cares. DuPont reports the slightest little cut of guidance, and they hammer the stock. And this was a preliminary report, which we can get to in a second. Bring in Aaron Bree here. Yeah, bring This in market Aaron. is all about tech, and it doesn't really care about much else. Yeah, I mean, like you said, tech is is leading the market right now, whether it was NVIDIA and AMD last year for the last six months or last night, Netflix uh, reporting earnings, bringing us higher after the close. Uh, Netflix, like you mentioned, Joel, just absolutely crushed it on, in terms of subscribers. So the street was expecting about 8.7 million paid membership ads in the uh, fourth quarter. Netflix did more than 13 million, so almost beat that estimate by 50%. Netflix cited strength again in that ad tier based subscription. Uh, EPS also, or EPS came in slightly lower than expected, but uh, revenue was higher. And the company also said their margins are getting better. So Netflix is one of these tech companies that has set out 
uh, to cut some costs. And so far, it looks like it's been working for Netflix. Again, they guided uh, up in the, in the next quarter. The street was expecting for the next quarter an EPS of 410. The company said, no, that's actually going to come in closer to 450. Uh, so either way, I mean, Netflix just crushed it on the earnings. Again, yesterday when we talked about in the past when Netflix had had some of these really bad earnings reports, those were about subscriber growth. That big drop on 30%, I believe it was the first report of last year, or, uh, two years ago. Um, Netflix, it was the first quarter where Netflix's subscribers went down. They actually lowered and didn't add any. So now the company is back to adding subscribers, both growing and uh, cutting costs. So either way, if you're a Netflix owner, you own the stock. You were very happy with that report yesterday. Other, other stocks were trading higher alongside that news. I mean, are they going to be moving Netflix into the Magnificent Seven and Tesla out tonight? That's going to be the question. Well, that's what no yesterday. I, I, yesterday, I thought Netflix was already in. I mean, it, it, it's, it's yeah. It's, they've they some people said the Magnificent Eight because of of, of Netflix. But you know what's going to happen is if Tesla misses tonight or disappoints. And I'm very nervous about the Tesla report because I just don't think there's a lot of people going out there and buying new cars. Lots of people still obviously subscribing to Netflix. Lower ticket stuff. I mean. 15 bucks a month. Let's go. I want to watch my shows. People can afford that. You going out and buying a 50 or $60,000 new car? I don't think so. And that's why I think Tesla, and I know, you know, we got other people thinking about, you know, the bots and they're doing other things. And that's all exciting, the humanoids. But we're a long ways away from humanoids making money. And I think, you know, it's still a car company at this point in time. I'm very nervous about the Tesla. I think what happens here too is you get one major tech company reporting Netflix. Now the bar a little higher almost for Tesla because it's like, oh, Netflix blows it away. Tesla going to do good here too. Tesla lifting here in the pre-market along with other tech stocks. I'm very nervous about the Tesla report tonight. Okay, just going to the Netflix here. Uh, blew away the 50. I had to go to the weekly to do the 0.618. We're above that. The next Fib number is up at 575, so I'm giving you absolutely no help at all. Uh, I will say their pre-market high is 544.50. You can look at that as a potential target. Uh, the other thing I would say is we've exceeded the straddle price, so you know maybe they'll come in. It was I think it went off the board at like 40 yesterday. I'm not exactly sure, so there's maybe an extra 10 bucks of premium in there to see if it comes in from the straddle price. But you're absolutely in no man's land as far as resistance go. Going back to 22, about <laughs> from 600 to 350 in a matter of three or four months. Uh, is this giving a boost to the other uh, media stocks, the House of Mouse uh, trading? A up little bit, Joel. A little bit? So, so Disney, you can see up very slightly this morning, I think less than a percent. Roku up more than 2% in pre-market trading. Uh, I guess people saying, hey, look, people are still watching streaming on their TV. Roku's a big provider. A lot of people watch Netflix through their Roku. But, uh, I mean, this one, Roku, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't like this one. I'm not in it. Um, but, again, getting a, a small bounce there. Uh, but Netflix, I mean, we talked about this the other day where Netflix – is a, a, a right now benefiting from consolidation in this space, right? I mean, if you have, you don't really need, I guess, six different streaming things right now. That's kind of my my view on it. I don't know what you guys pay for, Joel and Dennis, but I'm like, you know, why pay for 
HBO, Disney Plus, Netflix, that. all these 10 different things. When if you pay for like if you can't find something to watch on Netflix, there's already a million things on there. Do you really need to go from there to these other things? And uh, and again, you know, they're always getting more content with the WWE deal. I mean, they're uh -huh. always working on content. I keep saying the same thing about Disney Plus. I log in there once a month. You know, the kids watch every once in a while, but I log in literally once a month. And there's like five new shows in the last month. It's absolutely Crazy. pathetic. There's nothing new to watch on Disney+. Plus. The stuff they come out with is actually pretty good, but they just don't have enough content. I've said this the whole time. Disney, if they wanted to go in all in on streaming, they got to have more content. Netflix is always pumping out the content like crazy. Like, I mean, you don't log into Netflix for a month. There's a hundred new shows to watch, AB. There's so much. Are I, there, is I, there anything I'm any totally good out there? You don't need any of this other crap. You is can just anything... get Netflix, and there's so much to watch on Netflix. One-stop shop for streaming. That company's got it going on. They've got to figure it out. I mean, they're doing everything right where all the other streamers have been doing everything wrong. 15 bucks is 15 bucks, right? It's not, you know, like it. that's like 100 iPhones or something. So uh, very reasonable price. So uh, reasonable. Yeah. You know, so, I'm just. Stop uh, for a second. So show that. I don't know if you got my tweet here, but, you know, speaking of $15 here. I mean, it's $15 for a pack of cold meat at the store there. I went shopping yesterday. I couldn't believe, you know, and again, inflation. I always buy this deli pack. I don't know if you can see my tweets there, AB. Yeah, but I always right buy, now. and I'm digressing because of the $15. But I always buy this deli pack of meat for my kids for their lunches, and it's 10 bucks. This deli pack has been $10 at the superstore for like the last two years. It's like the only thing that didn't inflate. Well, they must have caught it, and somebody's like, well, why haven't we put the price of that deli pack up? They don't raise it to 11, they don't raise it to 12, they don't raise it to 13, not 14, not 15. They raise it from $10. To $15.99 overnight. I'm like, holy crap. I'm like, that's a pop and price. How much is that? How, how many pounds? Is that a pound? I think 400 or? grams of meat. $15.99. Because so, I mean, you you're can't getting afford... ripped off. You got to go to Costco, man. I, I got... Uh, I, I can't afford the Costco membership. Yeah, just... <laughs> All right, just one more thing. But listen, so all I'm saying is 15 bucks is nothing anymore. Nothing. So $15 a month, people don't even think about $15 a month. It doesn't even cross their mind. So Netflix, you know, people got to subscribe because they do stop, stop the password sharing. People subscribe. Subscribers grow. That's the best thing they do. And we talked about that, stop the password sharing. So you know what? Netflix, again, it's the multiple that would keep me out of the stock train, like 38 or 39 times earnings here. But I mean, it's a low ticket luxury. Exactly. Low ticket luxuries, your iPhones is still low ticket. I know people say, oh, $1,500, but they finance that thing, 0% financing. Free. It's Free. a low ticket luxury. Your Netflix low ticket luxury, going back to Tesla, which we're going to talk in a second here, is a high ticket luxury. I think in this 2024, you avoid the high ticket luxuries and you load up on the low ticket luxuries. All right, I know we're really digressing here, but I, I have to get you guys' opinion on something because we have a, a disagreement in the Alconan household on a TV show. Oh, no. Yes. Yes. <coughs> what? I, I, I don't like it. And Lisa and uh, Dana say I'm absolutely crazy. What? And it's on HBO. The White Lotus. 
I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either, but I know some people that really love it. But I feel like mostly the the people that I talk to that do like it, Joel, are is it, is it more like geared toward a female audience? Do you think? Um, I mean, there's both. I don't know. I I'll mean... have to check it out. But okay, speaking of this, Joel, we 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 talked about or you know asked yesterday what is Netflix going to be doing with AI. So one thing that it's doing right now is that if if all of us were looking at our Netflix home screen, it'll show us different thumbnails for the same shows based on our preferences. So say Ooh. we're looking, say White Lotus was on Netflix, and it was showing me a picture of like the female lead saying, oh, you got to check this out. But then it was showing, you know, you a picture of something else saying, look how great this is based on your preferences. So it'll it'll have this customization on the home screen, but still the same content. So they're basically just trying to drive all the clicks to to Netflix's own original shows by changing what you see in the thumbnail uh, again based on your preferences so you know a a 25 year old guy might see something completely different than a 25 year old girl even though they're looking at all the same shows um so just something interesting they're doing something i also wanted to ask you guys about i mean just in terms of of in general market um earnings reports when the stock is trading higher into it, either trading higher or lower into it, how much weight do you give that? Like, do you guys think, oh, some people really must know something here. Institutions are loading up. I bet the report's going to be good versus on the flip side. Tesla has been trading down big time into this yeah. report. Uh, do you think that is people just making these speculative claims or that people actually have some knowledge that, hey, this is 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 heading toward the wrong direction. I think there's people who are feeling it out. And I think there's somewhat the price, the market sometimes figures it out. But for the most part, it's just setting the bar. And we talk about the bar. And when the stock's running up into the report, the bar is very high, meaning they can't, they not only have to beat, they're going to have to blow it away. If the stock is depressed into the report, the bar is very low. That's the one thing going for Tesla is the bar is quite low. And we should, you know, talk Tesla here. Because, man, it has been a rough year for Tesla. As good as it has been for so many tech stocks, it has not been a good year for Elon Musk. I mean, Tesla started the year up here around $255, and we're now sitting at $212. So just quietly down 20% in basically less than 20 trading days. Tesla has had a really ugly year so, ugly year so far. With that being said, the bar is low. So if they say anything okay, maybe they talk about the humanoids, you know, maybe he talks up other things. Maybe that helps the stock price. But again, I'm worried about that high tickets, low ticket stuff, Netflix low ticket luxury, Tesla high ticket luxury. Mm -hmm. I think the market's nervous about that too. I think it's another reason why Tesla There's more on the road. Report. There's more on the road. That's all I can say. The, my you know, I gave you the drive-through indicator like during COVID with the McDonald's and all the restaurants and I'm telling you, there's just a lot more Teslas on the road. I know they're selling at a discounted, you know, whatever price, whatever the margins are. Um, you know, that's why I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be short the stock going into the report, especially with the way that it it's it's uh, sold off as of late. And that, you know, being a big component of the S and P, it hasn't participated. There are more out there. How that's going to shake through on all the numbers, I don't know. But a parking lot at the gym, parking lot. Uh, at the grocery store, driving on the freeway up to Ann Arbor. They're everywhere. I'm They're with you, everywhere. Joel. You go yeah. into the city, and there's Teslas everywhere. So. The question is, have the people who you know want to own a Tesla already went out and bought a Tesla? I mean, it's going to take a lot to get the masses in there. They're not cheap cars, Joel. That's the issue I have. 
I don't like any of the autos. So it's not just a Tesla thing here right now. I just don't like the autos in general because I do think 0% financing is a tough thing and it's gone. And that was what really drove, pun intended, drove the auto stocks for a long time. With 0% financing, not even close. These are not cheap things to go out and get. And if you're a little bit strapped for cash, if you're looking at your 2024 and saying, man, I'm just a little bit tighter than I was in 2023, you're probably not going out and buying a new car. So that's why I'm just staying away. And I mean, it's been an impressive run up for General Motors. Nice comeback. Impressive run up for Ford. Um, Nice comeback from the lows, although Ford's starting to sell off here again. I just think, I I don't think I want to own these stocks right now. Tesla is still best of breed. There's going to be, he's working on the humanoids. He's working on a lot of things. You never bet against Elon Musk, which is why I don't like shorting the stock either. But I'm nervous into this report. I'm nervous into this report. Yeah, and I mean, Joel's mentioned that you're seeing more and more cars on the road. Someone in the chat's pointed out, but you're also seeing more and more price cuts. So, uh, you know, how good is it to sell more of these cars if their margins aren't as good and they're and they're selling them for less? Uh, also, I mean, look, for a lot of times, big Tesla bulls were hammering the table on Cybertruck, Cybertruck, Cybertruck. Well, now we've at least started to see some deliveries, and I don't know what you guys think, but I would not consider this a successful rollout so far just in terms of, you know, from what I've seen, I've seen a lot more videos of people showing problems with Cybertrucks, I'm getting stuck in the snow, whatever, than people really, than people raving about them. I mean, have you guys seen people raving about the Cybertruck or being really bullish on it right now? I'm just, we're going to end this, uh, this end, this Tesla discussion. There's only one or not only one but there's one main reason why tesla's not doing well what you got and it has nothing to do with cars it has nothing to Musk? Do, yeah uh well uh what did he buy it's, uh, twitter twitter twitter's been terrible for him yeah i mean he is twitter is just an absolute mess it's yep. a mess Everything that they've that he's done that he said he was going to fix with Twitter, he made ten times worse. The fake accounts are just out of hand. The advertising to me is just ridiculously out of hand. I the, the accounts I want to follow, I can't find anymore. You know, like I follow a bunch of accounts. If I interact with one other, and I think I was saying this, if I interact with one person on Twitter, my feed just becomes that all that person. It's, it's just like crazy. It. It's like oh yep. my god. And maybe it's because I don't interact with that many people, but I interact with people and all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. My feed is just littered with that. I mean, Twitter is an absolute mess. He has made this an absolute mess. Um, I can't even get rid of the fake accounts now. You know, I go on, there's a whole bunch of people tweet at me. I fill out the form, the form fails every time. It just fails. It's like, oh, try again tomorrow. Like the, like So you can report somebody else, but when you actually are the person, that's trying to put in the fake account report, it wants your ID. Why it needs my ID when I'm verified is ridiculous in the first I know. place. It but keeps it wants my ID. My phone I number. upload my ID with their stupid little picture thing, and it never works. A hundred. I've tried multiple times. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm doing it wrong, but it never works. So the fake accounts are just completely making Twitter an absolute mess. 
Yeah, there's uh, definitely a lot of people pointing back to that purchase of Twitter as a bad business decision by Elon. I mean, I the one thing I will say that they have done is they they I mean they laid off a a, a large portion of their staff, probably caught, uh, saved a lot of money there, and I think a lot of people are still using the Twitter app. I mean, you had a lot of people talking about Blue Sky or Mastodon or these different Twitter alternatives last year. Threads is at the, just. Thread, I- at the end I, of the, gonna, I, I looked at threads yesterday. I think I'm going to delete the app. Yeah, this I was going to no say point. at the at the end of the day, I never put it on. I at the end of the day, Dennis, no you're point. still posting the meat pictures on Twitter and not. Yeah, I know. Places. It's so, true. So it's true. You know, I'm some still of these... using Twitter, but I mean, my experience is less enjoyable here. I, I agree. I wish you would have made the experience better. And I'm a big Elon Musk fan. I still say, from an innovation perspective, you could argue Elon Musk is one of the greatest innovators of the of the of, of the last hundred years. I mean, the stuff down. he has done from PayPal Technology. to yeah. Tesla to, you know, to all the things that he's done. I mean, SpaceX is just absolutely phenomenal company, the things he's done there. So you've got to give him that. And you never count Elon Musk out. And the one thing I will say about this report is I don't think the sales going to be that great. He is one that likes to keep his stock price up. So maybe he starts talking the humanoids. Yep. Yeah. Maybe he talks it up somehow. I mean, that's the wild card here. If Tesla can get these humanoids going and we're all going to have a humanoid in our household helping us out, that's the wild card. I do wish they would have bought Boston or uh, Boston, what what is it, Boston Boston Dynamics. Dynamics. I wish they would have bought Boston Dynamics when... You know, I think it was um, you know, the those other little, those little robot Hyundai, dogs. Are, think, those oh. little robot dogs are kind of cute. I gotta say, I'm not a Boston big... Dynamics has humanoids like they're way ahead of Tesla. Way uh, ahead. Well, we're gonna talk about Tesla in a little bit when our guest comes on in ten minutes. Let's move on to some of the other earnings sure. we got. Uh, we we've been talking about semis, 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 but it's not all semis. Texas Instruments uh, reported last night, and it did not go well. Ooh. Company trading down three <laughs> percent. Uh, the revenue was expected to come in above four billion. The company said, uh, "No, it was a little closer to three and a half billion." So, anytime you know you're only expecting four billion dollars worth of revenue, and you come in at three and a half, that's a big miss. Um, so, again, showing you that you yeah. really are looking for the best of breed here when it comes to semis, and not just buying anything at all. Uh, Joel, what are we seeing in terms of the chart? Are people buying? Are people buying the dip? Uh, there I'll comment and then let Joel, Joel do the yeah, go stuff. go. I want to say this is a disaster report for Texas Instruments. If this was a non-tech stock, this stock could be down 15 to 20% on this. But because it's a tech stock, it gets a pass. Because it's a tech stock, there's just underneath demand for all tech stocks and all chips. Down five bucks. This report is not good whatsoever. Take the numbers at face value. A buck 49. Versus 213 last year. Horrible. Like, that's just seriously going in the wrong direction here, folks. Expected Q1 revenue, 3.45 to 3.75 versus 4.06. I mean, DuPont lowers guidance by a couple of cents, and they knock that stock down 10%. Texas Instruments lowers guidance by like 15%, and they don't even hardly knock it down at all. That's the difference, folks. Tech stocks are getting a pass. Buy tech stocks on weakness is working. Buying non-tech on weakness is not working. So keep that in mind here. We are in 2024, and the investor only cares about tech stocks. Microchip Warren, we talked about this last week. Stock was down for half a minute, and they just can't stop buying it now. And they don't even care that it warned because it's a tech stock. Right now, 
tech stocks or just in a rip roaring bull market? That has chip and tech in it. So I mean, I don't know how you know you could uh, you could ignore that. <laughs> <Microchip> tech. <laughs> nice. Microchip. Who cares if they, they change their name to Macrochip? I mean, this thing with that thing would be at like three hundred dollars. Yeah, uh, the, the TXN. Real quick, technicals. I don't know if we have a lot of people that trade this pre-market low one sixty-four. So you got a four and a half point bounce. Uh, this is my candle of interest over the next couple of days. You had a big up day. You had a low at 163.18. That's a. I don't think you're going to see that today because you're five bucks above the pre-market low. Nice gap fill. So if you got jammed short into this report, there's a little reprieve here. I don't know if people are running out to start new longs, but uh, I think from a short perspective, I don't know if you're going to get a look at that pre-market low at one. Just too much underneath demand for tech stocks. I mean, exactly. It could. It's not a good report, folks, and it wouldn't surprise me if it sold off a little bit more. This is not great, but again, just underneath demand for tech stocks and no underneath demand if you're non-tech. That's just what we're seeing here. Do the DuPont again. Let's give levels on this one because oh. this is one of your big losers of the day here, AB. It came out of the blue. They just come out with preliminary guidance. And it honestly didn't even seem like it was that bad. Yeah, so uh, DuPont reported. Uh, and they so uh, DuPont announced his preliminary fourth quarter. Uh, let's see. I'm pulling up the numbers right now. Sales $2.9 billion, 12, uh, 12 billion versus a consensus $3 billion and uh, a, a little bit. 12.2 billion estimated EPS came in at 8.5 versus expected. Uh, it, the EPS doesn't look like a huge miss to me. No, this is preliminary numbers. So just to let you guys know, when a company comes out, it means they're, they've got an adjustment, you know, where analyst expectations are. Sometimes they'll come out. DuPont wasn't due to report, I believe, till next week. So they're coming out early and just saying, hey, Quarter isn't going as good as we thought, but you know it's kind of there. It doesn't I look yet. This was a ridiculously I, like if they're hitting the stock down hard. I don't even think it's that bad. No, two point eight billion uh, of net sales expected versus the expected three billion. So you know two hundred million dollar miss there. Uh, like you said, the adjusted EPS they're they're guiding down to point six three to point six five versus point eight seven. So. Uh, giving that warning, but to me, like you said, Dennis, it looks like okay, the, the quarter's not going as well, but it's it's basically right there. It's just right below it. But instead, the stock is getting absolutely crushed this morning, down yeah. more than eleven percent now, about eight and a half bucks, sixty six dollars wow. and a quarter. Uh, you know, Ooh, boy, oh boy, you're already back to that November low. It's sixty six fifty six. That's the only number I have for you. Uh, just uh, be aware that there was also a monthly. That's just huge. I mean, if this is going to catch a bid here, it better catch one really soon. If not, I think the only way to catch a bottom of it would be, you know, maybe throwing out some bit if you want to own it at the half and whole numbers. Uh, the next monthly low comes in at 57.87. But you know what I stopped? I mean, I stopped really following this stock when it was DuPont and then it was Dow and then it was Dow DuPont and then they spun off into three. Dow I mean, again. I, I don't, yeah, now it's, now it's DuPont again. And Dow was bad. And Dow was bad. I don't understand. Dow's no. getting is, is hit du, on this. Does DuPont still have a lot of the legal, you know, overhead, like headwinds that people are worried about, like 3M? Like, I know they had some huge lawsuits. I don't even know. Uh, with their forever chemicals, basically, that they put out these chemicals in the environment that don't break down, and they didn't, 
I guess, dispose of them properly. So I, I you know, I think there's some, uh, you, you know, potentially some big lawsuits. Maybe I, they might have settled it in the last quarter, though. But either way, says in 2023 they settled it. They defeat the massive class action over Forever Chemicals. 3M involved in that one too. Man, 3M's in a lot of bad. <laughs> I know. Lawsuits I want to be a lawyer for 3M. Oh yeah. my God, you'd be cleaning up right but, now. But, but look, yes, yeah, so listen, we want to get the evidence again. And what I what I do for a living, folks, how I've made my living for 24 years is not looking at fancy charts and talk charts and buying breakouts and selling breakdowns. It's relationships and understanding pattern recognition. And what I see clearly happening is non-tech stocks, when they're selling off on bad news, are not getting bought. And tech stocks on bad news are getting bought, a lot of them. So keep that in mind, especially anything related to AI is getting bought on the dip. DuPont, you couldn't be farther from AI with DuPont, in my opinion. I don't see any connection to an AI story here whatsoever. This market is hot for tech, hot for AI, not hot for chemicals. So I'm saying on DuPont, even though this is a ridiculous overreaction, I'm still not buying it because, you know, ADM, they're not buying that. 3M, they're not buying that. I mean, there's just no reason to just bounce in on day one on these non-tech stocks. So clearly, we get the dip in the Texas Instruments, even though if you're taking a face value, I think the Texas Instruments should be down more than the DuPont. But we're not taking a face value. Texas Instruments is still seen as a chip stock, still seen as a tech stock, getting forgiveness here for an ugly quarter. DuPont, no forgiveness whatsoever because it's nothing to do with tech and nothing to do with AI. Keep that in mind when you're trading here, folks. We want non-tech stock, non-tech stocks. I'm avoiding them. Tech stocks on dips, I'm buying them. That is Where is the headquarters for Dow Chemical? Got to be in Michigan. Yep. You should. What about you, Aaron? You're new to the state. You Midland, any, Midland, Michigan. You looked it up. I looked it up. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know where Midland is. It's uh, in the middle of the state. In the middle. I was gonna guess that. I was gonna guess that. Right. Uh, did uh, we blow by the? Um, did we blow by the GDP numbers without uh, paying any attention? There, I had it written down on our sheet. Yeah, let's go uh, back to that real quick, Joel. Good call. So um, pulling it up right here, waiting for it to come in on my Benzinga Pro while we wait for those uh, numbers. It was at 8.30. It was at 8.30. Yeah, it, yeah I, just I scroll back. It. It'll be there. Let's I see. blew it. <laughs> That's okay. It didn't really move anyways. He should have told me to go wide, though. Yeah. Anyways. I, was it? They're not even talking about it on CNBC. Oh, no, or... I don't. Th- Wait, Joel, I think you Are yeah, you yeah, right, Joel? Was there a Joel? Oh, no, I'm right. I'm wrong. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> Man, I can't read. Yeah, okay, tomorrow, so, so tomorrow at 8.30. No, like, we'll get... I'm looking too. I'm looking at the counter. I was like, I don't see any GDP number. I didn't even see any movement in the S&P. Tomorrow and they really at... well tell me to go wide when you think there's a GDP. I would. I would. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought today was the 25th. Uh, first mistake of the year. Okay. All right, Aaron. Let's get one more in before we bring in CC Legator Talk Options AI. Yeah, let's go to Intuitive Surgical Ticker ISRG. Uh, reported earnings after the close yesterday as well. Double beat EPS came in higher than expected uh, as well as the revenue stock trade. I didn't realize, guys, that this stock is a over $150 billion company. So the EPS came in at 160 beat by $0.11, cents, revenue at $1.9 billion versus 
you know, beat by about 30 million. So not a huge beat on either the EPS or revenue, but stock trading higher. For people not familiar, this is a company making uh, like robotics parts for surgeries, which again, yeah. like to me, all sounds super futuristic. Didn't realize this was already a nearly $200 billion company, I guess, uh, in the medical field is, is a space that you're already seeing this innovation come in from robots and and potentially, you know, at some point, probably AI too. But uh, either way, I mean, this thing, is, is this all-time highs? Oh, yeah, blowing it away. Made yeah. the street leaning the right way into this report. Uh, the top of yesterday's range, I'll give you that as potential support, at 379.39, and you might have missed the high of the day in this one. This light, uh, actually, a hundred and oh, over... Uh, 200,000 shares traded when this popped to 406. So down 20 bucks away. Find another resistance level there if uh, you want to sell our ISRG today. But, man, this thing's been around a long time and AI in tech, right, for intuitive surgical. I mean, it's got that story to it, too. So, and again, the report wasn't blowing it away, but it was good enough. Um, it is pulling back. The one thing I don't like is the after hours and pre-market action here because we topped out over 410 here, and we've quietly given back a lot of those gains. You never want to see them leaking back over half nope. the gains because a lot of times when they leak back over half the gains, they give it all back. So I'd actually wouldn't chase this one today. All right, well, it is 8.35. We've got our esteemed guest hanging out backstage. We're going to be talking to CC Legator from Options AI. So without further ado, let's go ahead and welcome CC on the show. CC, how are you doing this morning? Good. How's it going, guys? Good to see you. Good. Let's start yesterday after the close. Our biggest headline of the day was, of course, Netflix's earnings report trading way higher. Uh, what were you seeing in the options world heading into this report? I mean, we've seen Netflix be super volatile with uh, earnings before. Were people, you know, playing it for a huge move to the upside or downside? Yeah, it's interesting. It was, you know, Netflix has moved a lot. Uh, I think three out of the last four earnings coming into this one. And the options were not pricing as big of a move as we had seen the last, you know, three or three or four quarters. And that is an example of so the options market, you enter into an earnings season and there is that backdrop of whatever's going on in the rest of the market. Right. And the rest of the market right now is consolidation, grind higher low vol. We've got the VIX basically at historic lows. And so earnings reports cannot escape that right they are basically a you know a victim or or a word like that of their of what's going on elsewhere in the market so netflix options actually were quite low going into this earnings in, in terms of iv in terms of what kind of move options were pricing last week they were pricing about a six percent expected move or something like six and a half percent what was interesting is it crept up into earnings what the options were pricing as far as netflix to move it ended up being about just shy of eight percent and what are we up this morning about ten percent um so options Netflix traders were trying to, you know, they were signaling something. They were signaling a demand for something. And it looks like it was, if this if this is a good print on earnings, there were a lot of upside calls bought. 
And what that does is that shifts when you see that late attention into an earnings stock from the options market and from traders, they're basically clearing the path for a stock to actually make a slightly larger move. They're basically, if if Netflix traders had come in and they were all selling the, you know, 500s or what are we at? 400 or 500? If they were 500, 500, 500, right. If if under normal conditions, people are probably buying Netflix stock, they're, they're doing certain trades and they're probably just hammering, selling the 500 line, right? Going into earnings, clearly people were buying that line. They're buying the 525 line. They're, they're, they're clearing the path for that stock to go higher. And then Netflix comes out. It's a good report. People like it. And it allows that stock to travel higher. So that's sort of the interesting backdrop is, is you know, can these earnings reports, are options, something to watch for would be, you know, look at the expected move, go in like options AI, look at the expected move of say, you know, who's reporting that. What week. was it for Netflix? Because we were looking Netflix at was, it. So it ended up being just shy of 8%. Wow. Right? They were actually- but it, but it crept up. Like, so it was, I, I was shocked how low it was last week when yeah. I was looking, Joel. And it was like oh, 6% or 6.5%. Clearly, some buyers of options came in late. Into so do you that think you point. had more people buying the options as opposed to in, in past yes. reports, if you would have seen more people selling because the IV is lower, because the VIX is lower? Yeah. And I think what happened is I think people started looking at, and you can look on this on any options right now, is volatility is so low. And, you know, Tesla is a great example. So going into this Tesla report, um, we've got, you know, it's basically moved on average about over 10%, right? Over the last four quarters when it's reported. Yeah. Um, I've got a move of it was down 9%, it was down 10%, it was down 10%, it was up 11%, right? Those are its last four quarters. Its options are only pricing a 6.5% expected move wow. for tonight, wow. right? So basically, the market is, it's not anything about the company specifically that the options market is pricing in these lower moves. It's just because of the, that there's less volatility in the overall market. Exactly. And and it, what that is, is it could be an opportunity, right? And what it is, is it's not saying it's the options market not able to escape how low volatility is outside of that event, right? And the opposite can happen, right? Where if you have the VIX at 35 and you go into an earnings season and the market's moving 4% every day, it's like, what difference does the earnings report at that point mean? Because you could do an options trade and three days later, the market could have moved 10% anyway into the earnings event. So this is the exact opposite where it's like, nobody wants to own Netflix options a week and a half ago because they would just be sitting there just choking on them potentially. Right. And then you get right before earnings and people are like, okay, it could, it could go here, Right. And Tesla is going to be an interesting one because it'll be sort of a test of this theory, this theory that's one day old of mine, right? <laughs> but it's that, but you know what I mean? It's like something to look for. So Tesla's expected move is six and a half percent. You know, in Tesla earnings, it's like you know some. I've always felt like historically, sometimes it's like they're sort of their car delivery numbers or whatever they call that number are sometimes more important than their earnings and all that kind of things. And so sometimes you kind of know the news, but as you all were talking earlier, like the cyber truck, I mean, this could be 
this could be a, an event, right? And the last four earnings, that stock's moved 10%, basically. And options yeah. are pricing, I mean, almost half of that. So it'll be an interesting one, especially to, you know, sort of Dennis's point, let's consider Tesla a tech stock, not a, not a car company. And it's like, are all these moves to the upside that surprise, right? And so that's, that's, I think, a good way to look. And, you know, you can go on Options AI, you can go on our free tools, you can see our earnings calendars, you can see where they're pricing it. And, um, you know, Tesla, there's something interesting. I just wanted to, um, let me share screen real yeah. quick. Um, there's something about, let's go, this is... What about, right. I mean, so since Tesla's reporting uh, today, and I guess there's after the hours, and there's only going to be two days of trading left in the week, do you think you might see more people buying out of the money puts or calls, knowing they could get a big bounce because there's only two days left of till expiration? Exactly. And I, you know, and I think, well, the today would be the time to watch. So this, you know, we're starting the morning off with this 6.5 expected move, right? And what's interesting about this from like a technical perspective is, is you look back to this um, level, you know, when was that? That was back in October. Um, you all can see my screen, right? Yeah, yeah it's yes, perfect. Sir. Yeah, so that's right there, that level of about 195, let's call it. That is the expected move to the downside. That's where options are pricing Tesla to the downside. Now you take that to the upside, you know, and we've got a... Uh, what level are we at there? We've got uh, two, you know, call it 222, 223 to the Man, upside. Man, tight. Yeah, and you can sort of see where that falls on the upside. So to the to the Netflix example and kind of what, you know, like with Dennis, what you were talking about earlier, it's like, all right, if this thing sells off uh, on earnings, the expected move is probably right, right? You know, it probably finds buyers on your tech stock, finds buyers theory right here. That upside, though, man, like where could that stock go? So that's something else to watch for is like, are these beats of the expected move on, you know, even a slightly good earnings report is, do we see those big gaps higher where options were totally out of whack? And then Aaron, to your point, what that would have been is that would have been today, we're starting the expected move at 6.5%. Uh, by the end of the day, if that's over 7%, that's a pretty good indication that there were last minute buyers of options. Got it. And so, I mean, right now, you know, we mentioned how the IV is lower, the VIX is lower. You know, you hear a lot of people say, oh, when, when the VIX is high, you want to be selling puts, uh, you know, and collect that premium. When the VIX is low, you want to be buying put or uh, buying options. Um I, I assume you're going to tell me it's not that simple, that when the VIX is high, you want to be a seller of options, and when the VIX is low, you want to be a buyer of options. Yeah, well, it's, it is that simple in some, in some sense, right? Okay. So Tesla is a great example um, where, or actually Netflix, let's just go to Netflix real quick, because this is something I picked up yesterday when I was looking at the chart. But basically... When you are doing selling high vol, right, or buying, in this case, the VIX is 12 and a half and you're buying low vol, basically what you are doing is you're saying that, um, you know, like you need the correct time frame for that to play out. So when the VIX is 12 and a half and you're just buying weekly options and hoping that that low vol plays out, you are probably not going to be right. You are not buying yourself enough time. 
right? You are basically betting every day almost the zero DTE move versus the options you own and the expected move of those options you own. However, the farther you go out in time, the more you're getting you're getting paid for that time in in low vol conditions. So right now, you are not being penalized at all to go out a couple of months in an options trade. So for instance, Netflix coming into yesterday, and we're seeing yesterday's chart, and there you have it, like the 7.6 expected move. Um, that was 5.30 to the upside for you know what options were pricing for you know essentially this morning. If you go out and you were going out to say March, options in Netflix are only pricing, they're pricing less than an 11% move out to March. So just like sort of a simple quiz, would you rather own options for two days for an 8% move? Or would you rather own options for two months for an 11% move, yeah. right? And that's the difference. And we're looking at it, you can sort of see this IV. In March, it's 38. Going into earnings, it was 111, right? So it's three times expen as expensive to own a Netflix option this week than it is in March. So, I, and I had tweeted about this a little bit yesterday. It's like, you know, if you are selling the move in Netflix, I'm like, it's tight, you know, 7.6% and the stock has moved, you know, on average a lot more than that over the last couple of quarters. I think the last quarter it was like almost 15%, right? And, but I was like, if you are bullish Netflix or if you are bearish or if you own a bunch of Netflix and you want to hedge, it's like, go out on this calendar and you know look out to like march and stuff like that because the options market is not penalizing you in any way see see i just want to go to just overall uh you know market uh talk to market in general here i mean are people only like selling puts i mean what what's going on what does the lack of fear in puts and the put volume telling you about this market it's crazy. Like it is like exactly that. No one is buying puts. Everyone is selling DT zero DTE and one DTE options, right? Everyone's buying every dip. And I think I saw something the other day. Somebody uh, pointed out, like, um, you know that BF uh, TD, right? Buy the buy the dip. Buy the blank yeah, dip. Buy the whatever yeah. dip is it's like permeated into like so many parts of the market. Right. And it's funny because it's like, it's correct. Right. So retail has actually gotten less panicky over the last few years in some ways and in a lot of ways. And the same thing is true in options. And you are not seeing a lot of people right now wasting money, hedging or being bearish and buying puts. Right. And that is, that's why you're seeing that 12 and a half VIX. There's not a lot of demand. And then the other thing, you guys will know this term, but for the audience, skew, right? Uh -huh. And skew shows you how much people are like reaching for stuff really far out of the money. It's usually puts, right? And what that would mean is if at the money options were 100, puts a, a big put skew would mean people are paying 125 vol for like downside puts you're not seeing much of that either right now either and so that is the backdrop of this market is it is not there is no fear in it at least in yeah. the option market as of now that means that 
dips will be bought, like to Dennis's point, particularly in these tech stocks. And then there is that potential that people start reaching for upside calls and that kind of FOMO starts to play out. You know, I think last time we were on here or I was on here, we were talking about IWM. It's a great place to look for froth, right? If you start to see IWM, you know, it looks like it it tried to take out 200. It failed, you know, and it's in that been in that weird range for over a year now. Uh, pretty defined range where every time it gets to 200, you know, that's a place to look for. If people are doing FOMO, like buying upside calls, that's the place you're going to see it. You're going to see know. it in those types of names. People are going to go crazy and it'll be a mini meme stock era, right? And we are not seeing that yet. In, in fact, it seems like the rotation was back into the, you know, Magnificent Seven, Fang, you know, whatever recently. Um, but, you know, like once we're through the Microsofts and the Amazons and the Apples, uh, you know, keep an eye on that IWM and keep an eye on, you know, the skew. Are people buying those uh, small cap names? So, Cece, uh, I mean, we've seen just a huge increase in options trading in general since the COVID markets, uh, even slightly before then. Uh, and since then, you know, more and more brokerages have rolled out more uh, options for for traders. And now, of course, with zero uh, day till expiration options on SPY, QQQ every single day. Has this been a good thing for retail traders? I mean, has this, uh, you know, what, what do you see when it comes to, to the zero DTEs? It's been fascinating. And I didn't know what to make of it, right, when it first started. But what's in, what's been most interesting to me, and this is like dovetails a little bit on what we were just talking about with how retail trading has kind of evolved to like with that, uh, you know, BTFD and not like wasting a lot of money on hedges and things, you know, stocks always go up or whatever, which is a dumb thing to say, but they do over time, right? Yeah. And the so that kind of maturity is actually you're seeing it a weird level of maturity in that zero dte market and there was this assumption that it was just going to be straight up gambling right and there was going to be you know the lower the less time for an options trade to play out the dumber the trading would be it's actually been a little bit of the opposite and what people are doing on zero dte is they are trading the next three hours or they are trading the next you know 48 hours as if they were at a hedge fund 10 years ago trying to earn income on positions uh you know over the next three months or something for that quarter and they've just shrunken the time frame and the behavior is not generally there's a lot of gambling in zero dte people are saying oh i think spx can go up you know, a quarter of a percent into the close or something. But what most people doing, what the majority of retail traders are doing is they're actually trading the move, selling the move, doing credit call spreads uh, when the stock when stocks open higher. They're doing credit put spreads when stocks open lower. They're doing sort of a 48 hour time frame and they're looking at levels in the SPX and then they're trading iron condors. They're doing things. And they're basically defined risk trades to try to, you know, risk uh, $300 to make $200 in a matter of hours, right? Your zero and, DTEs and defined risk trade. That seems like kind of an oxymoron there. Right. Well, it doesn't need to. I mean, you can go in and you could sell a strangle or a call out, right. right? But most of these people are kind of defining the risk. And the way that looks in the SPX is, for instance, 
um, you know, let's say the market opened up uh, a half a percent, right? Pre-market and you go into the opening print and you're up a half a percent. What they're then doing is they're then say selling a credit call spread that is really just $5 wide on an SPX strike up another, say, you know, half a percent or almost half a percent. And they're basically saying that the market, the chances of the market going up 1% today um, are, you know, less than uh, 15, 20%. And I'm willing to sell a credit call spread into that rally. And then if the market kind of pulls back a little bit that morning, they're then selling a credit put spread into it. It's pretty fascinating behavior. And it is fairly sophisticated, I would say, and it's almost entirely being driven by retail traders. Enough, enough to the point we launched SPX Trading on Options AI a couple of months ago. It is starting to dominate our orders, huh. right? And so what we're seeing is, um, you know, we have these, you know, you, you all know we have these visualizations. You can watch as the market plays out through these profit and loss zones and things. And people love it. And it is, you know, it's almost like that uh, in-game betting, like on a DraftKings or whatever, yeah. right? It's it's really fascinating wow, stuff. Point. And it, you know, and it's, I would say, I would go to bat for these people a little bit because I've seen their behavior and it is not degenerate from what I've seen. Wow. I'm sure there's degenerate <laughs> behavior out yeah. there. But, but there's got to be another side to that trade too, just before you go. I mean, we could yeah. say, oh yeah, the market maker side is like sitting there and selling these, you know, to these degenerate. But there's the degenerate gamblers on the other side of this trade, CC. <laughs> I mean, people are coming in and saying, always I'm going to make all this money here buying this, yeah. you know, really low lottery ticket here and it's going to pay off. Yeah. I mean, just because, so, you know, there's some sophisticated investors selling it, somebody's buying all these uh, zero yeah. you know, data expiration options too. Where, where I would say it's potential and, you know, this is another like sort of Vegas example. Um, you know how like sometimes like in Vegas, um, it'll be like the Cowboys are playing or whoever, where you know a ton of money is going to, or Alabama in football or something where you know there's so many, Michigan. there's such a large fan base, right? And oh, you're against Michigan, right? Like, and there's so much of the fan base that it's almost like Vegas will hold the line and like kind oh, of yeah. absorb, absorb that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so I think the interesting thing about zero DTE is I would assume more than 50% of the order flow is similar to what I just described. So that what, what that means is on the market maker side, at some point, they need to kind of figure out they can't if all they're seeing is people doing that kind of behavior you can't lower options to zero obviously right and i think where you're seeing it to that question is maybe affecting the market is i look at like the zero dte expected move every day it's generally about 0.4 to 0.5% that seems a bit low to me and it doesn't seem like that is sustainable and at some point, um, those sellers of options are going to kind of demand a little bit more premium for what they're doing. Um, and so that's where you might see it as that sort of standoff between the market makers and those people doing that kind of zero DTP, DTE. All right, CC, I'm sorry, man. We we are up against the clock here. Yeah. But you had just given such our, our, our listening audience an education. We're going to dial you up again real soon. CC Legator, 
at Options Learn on Twitter. Thanks for joining us, CC. Excellent. Great to see you guys. Thank you, okay. CC. All right, guys, that was CC from Options AI again. Uh, I mean, that's just some great information there. As someone myself who I do like to dabble in the in the zero day to uh, options expiration, that last point he made that the expected move only about 0.4, 0.5%. I wonder if that's when the, what it's, you know, either going to close, expected to close up or down uh, 0.4, 0.5%, but then the intraday move might be even higher than that, right? If the, if the market's trading lower and then you get one of these zero DTEs out of the money and then the market turns around. Uh, Joel, what are we looking at into the open here? We're about two minutes away. Yeah, yeah. I just want to uh, just really one thing, and I want to reiterate what CC said. You know, he was talking about the Netflix options and like going, you know, going for a couple days for like an eight percent move, as opposed to going out like two or three months for an eleven percent move. Further. Yeah, I mean, you're I'm just like, you're you're giving yourself a shot. Yeah. You know, you're you're a, a legitimate shot, and then also. And, and what about the gap and go situation, Joel? Like, I mean, when you go out farther, you give yourself a shot for follow through, like where you have a you know where a company reports and it's good, and then you have all the initial buyers, the gap, and then the continuation of that initial move. I mean, you make so much more in the gap and go situation. So if you're going to pay eight percent for the two day option, why not pay the eleven percent for the two month option? I'm with you, CC, hundred percent. Yep. And uh, yeah, just going uh, S&Ps, we backed off the pre-market high. If I gave you some resistance here, um, I want to be honest with you because uh, basis, uh, uh, the front month contract here, huh, my next target is over 5,000 or that's that's with the rolling front month contract. Uh, do we do want a couple? I know it's nine o'clock here. Oh, one last thing to going back to the options. Jay Rice made a great point. If spreads. You know, doing the spreads, you know, a big old spread. There's, you know, you're definitely limiting your gain, but you're also limiting your risk. And if, if it, you know, if you, even if you go farther out with the spread, it doesn't do what you want. They'll just sap the premium out of the one that you sold. So there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of different things to cover. Dennis, what, let's do a couple more earnings reports here on this Wednesday. Uh, where would you like to go? Something good well, or something bad? Well, interesting AT&T. A lot of people hold AT&T. I mean, Verizon kind of blew it away yesterday. Maybe set the bar higher for AT&T. But this is not a great report here. Bring in Aaron Bree here on this AT&T report. I'm actually surprised it's not down more. Uh, thoughts here, AT&T, or actually, Bree, give us the numbers. Yeah, so uh, EPS, our sales came in slightly higher, $32 billion versus 31.5 estimate gap. EPS misses by $0.30. Cents. Uh, it, you, you were expecting uh, about half a dollar got uh, lower than that. Gap EPS of $0.30 cents misses by $0.23. Cents. Revenue beats by $560 million. Uh, uh, initiates the, the 2024 outlook. Obviously not a great outlook. Stock trading down about 2.5%. Uh, I mean, you still got a, a good dividend yield on this one, right? That's why a lot of people hold this stock because clearly it's they're not holding it for the chart. I mean, look at that. I mean, it's been a very much underperformer here, and people have been attracted to the dividend. And they've caught, you know, they've cut it multiple times. I've hated AT and T for a long time. Correctly, still not going to come on AT and T and say buy it here, but it's actually a pretty bad report. It's holding up pretty well. And with the Verizon move yesterday, maybe you do have people coming in here and buying the stock on this as like a catch-up trade to Verizon, but this report was not great.
Yeah. Uh, it stopped where it should have on the downside right here in the lower 16 handle. You had one, two, three, four, five, six lows in that area. You got to 1630. I think it's going to be thickening up on the way back down if it does go back down. And uh, if this can get back above 17, uh, the bottom of yesterday's range, 1698. So let's see. Puts through 17. You get a close above the 17, then this will be officially by the dip on the AT&T earnings. Yep. Then another one we had this morning, just real quick before we wrap up, Abbott, ticker ABT, uh, also with a not great report. Uh, trading lower EPS came in in line, a buck 19. Uh, sales beat slightly. But yet you're still seeing the stock coming down. Guidance adjusted EPS of 450 to 470 versus consensus of 464. So basically saying their guidance a little bit lower than expected. Uh, Abbott trading down a little bit more than 2% this morning, right at that uh, about 111 and a half level here. Uh, kind of in the middle of nowhere for me. Sometimes yep. there's you know, a trade and sometimes you just take a pass. And I think I'm just taking a pass on Abbott here. Well, little bounce off 111. I mean, where's the AI in Abbott, right? I mean, there's an A in there. They need an I. Yeah, AI. We, we need A B I T a bit or a, yeah, something like that. <laughs> or AB, um, yeah. all right, real quick before we wrap up, we do. We of course have been talking a lot about Tesla's report after the close today, but you do have some other big companies reporting. Service Now ticker now reporting after yeah. the close. IBM, yeah. uh, Las Vegas Sands. Let's see, that's, that's about I think the ones we care about the most. Seagate STX will be one I'm watching too. I'm very interested in the IBM report because it's had the sneaky AI rally. It has rallied substantially because people believe IBM is an AI play. We talked about IBM being an AI play a long time ago. Finally, the market is starting to listen here. The question is, you know, what do they say? You know, like the numbers usually are pretty good out of big. They're always what are they talking about? You know, are they talking you know, AI? I'm curious. Conference call could be, you know, interesting for this one here too. We need to hear some more AI talk from IBM. So that they can start giving this, you know, the love that it maybe deserves more. I mean, it's your value AI play, but isn't it an AI play? You know, that's still to be determined of how big oh, of an are, AI. Are they still are they still doing what? Is it still Watson? Is that their AI? Yeah, well, they've got server, they've got multiple things they're working on. Watson, I like I I've said in the past, I mean, IBM was working on AI. Right. Maybe for anyone. Else. IBM, like, IBM is like Skype. Ball. IBM is like yeah. Skype is to Zoom. Yeah. I yeah. mean, they were doing Watson. They had Watson playing chess like 20, 20 years 20 ago. Years ago. <laughs> they could have been all over this and been the AI play. And I mean, just, you know, management's dropped the ball on IBM for so long. Stock has gone absolutely nowhere for the better part of a decade. Coming back here lately because people are like hungry for the AI play. People do know they have Watson. They do have, you know, other stuff that they're working on over there. Let's hear about this stuff, Big Blue, you know, maybe on the conference call. Maybe it'd be an interesting one to see. What else do you got cooking there? Because right now, the market is starting to give you a little bit of AI love. Let's see if they can get some more AI love. Got it. Well, Joel, it is 9.05 where we've gone a little bit past this morning. Who do we got coming on tomorrow? Okay. So we're going to, you won't know this, but Dennis, who do we have on a while ago? And he talked about, well, we're not going to see a recession and the back half of 2023 and maybe push it off into 2024. And he remained bullish on the market. Uh, do you remember who that guest was? 
was Tommy Lackey once, but yeah, right? exactly. There you go. Triple D with the memory. Yeah. yeah Tom- Tommy Lackey what? was all over and made some really good calls with this market. Obviously, you know, um, you know, we're not all going to get it perfect here, but Tommy was all over early 2023 saying, I think this recession is going to be pushed out further. So I'm curious what he's seeing for 2024 here now, because he thought the recession was going to get pushed out further. It still has not occurred, so it's even farther out than maybe Tommy's timeline. Yep. But let's see what that's what he has to say. Yeah, not a lot of signs right now that we're seeing of a recession economy still no. looking, looking good, market looking good. So uh, we'll see if people are still holding on to that call. Excited to talk to Lackey tomorrow. Uh, all right, guys, 9.06 a.m. Thank you to everyone who tuned in to pre-market prep this morning. Thank you to CC Legator from Hit that like course, button. Options AI. Smash that like, subscribe to the channel, and we do have live trading coming up right after this, so do not go anywhere. The stream will redirect you there. Till tomorrow morning, stay green. If you're trading those options on the, on the earnings, make sure you're listening to CC. Till then, we'll see you. 